Welcome to This is the Bad Place, a podcast about the NBC TV show The Good Place and the journey of two ex-evangelicals leaving white evangelicalism. Welcome back, y'all. Today we are talking about episode seven, The Eternal Shriek. Really getting into it with some of the existential stuff, obvious in the title. Yeah, it's also like very good for October, right? The Eternal Shriek. Oh, yeah. It's uh, creepy, mm-hmm. right? It was quite the title for an episode. Yeah. I I know in our family, we've been sort of making this shift from, you know, being a little more into Halloween. Yeah. I. I would be so curious to hear from folks, like, if other people have, like, made that shift from, like, growing up, you know. It's funny. For my family, we sort of celebrated Halloween. I feel like it was more, like, my parents stopped doing it because they didn't want to buy costumes for four kids. Well, I honestly understand that element <laughs> yes, of it. Yes, yes. But as two kids raised in white evangelicalism, my mom was really anti-Halloween and sometimes would just let us pick a bag of candy out at the grocery store, which felt exciting because we didn't get candy very much. But she really traumatized me because she gave me all these tracks, Jack Chick tracks about how like witches put needles in candy and then sacrifice kids on Halloween. And that's why you shouldn't go trick or treating. So wow, that's pretty scary. And my I... mom's like, this is true. This happens. And I was like, OK. So here's my I do have some memories of going trick or treating. Because uh, we stopped when I was in second grade. Um, and I remember we would like go to occasionally come across a house that was like, that would have like a poster on their door that says like, I don't celebrate Halloween because I believe in Jesus and oh like all this gosh. stuff. Oh my gosh, that's so Christian of Yes, them. right. One of them was like our next door neighbor. And I yeah. remember the like, the psychological like turmoil of like, wait a minute. We're Christians. Like, yeah. like we're the conservative this ones. This is exactly how Chidi would respond to <laughs> right. that situation. Yes. It was so confusing. I just wow. remember feeling like guilt and shame like as I read it. And my parents just didn't even really. They were just like, oh, well, let's just move on to the next house. Yeah. No, P- Christians who are smug about it are so annoying. I was definitely raised in that kind of a family. Mm-hmm. We don't celebrate Halloween. And now... We're just whatever. Kids love candy. Mm-hmm. And you and I have to help our oldest make their costume. And it's really frustrating. So, anywho, that's my current <laughs> thoughts on it. <laughs> that's where, yeah, like for my family, it was like, let's just buy a bag of candy and watch a Pixar movie, was what we did growing yeah, up. Yeah. When your kids really want a professionally done costume that isn't sold in stores, it's like, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. pressure. That's my eternal shriek today. It's my personal hell. So, um, this, this is like the opposite of this is the good play segment where we talk about what's going well. This is my eternal shriek moment. Yes. Uh-huh. My eternal shriek, as long as we're sharing, is yeah. just that life is incredibly busy right now. Oh, we are running on fumes. Yes. Wouldn't you say? Yes. So let's see how today's episode goes. Yes, let's. Um yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. So it is called the Eternal Shriek. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm not gonna go down the path of describing all the nope. turmoil. Right I was now. like, I have to cut you off now. It's too much to, to get into. But yes. So let's just let's just talk about the Eternal Shriek or the episode. Yes, we're coming the to you Shriek. from hell, and we will be talking to you. <laughs> not really about hell. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, there are some parallels. 
for sure. For sure. Um, as you all know, we use Mark Evan Jackson's uh, synopses on these from the NBC Good Place podcast. Just always want to make sure that we're sourcing that, that we're clear, that we oh my are gosh. stealing it. We are not stealers. Right. We are sourcers. We are ethical people. <laughs> <We're-> <laughs> <laughs> and we love Mark Evan Jackson's voice. So. Yes, exactly. And so so let's start with that. We might fill in some gaps mm-hmm. in a moment. I'm Mark Evan Jackson. I play Sean. Today we're talking about episode 107, The Eternal Shriek. In the aftermath of Michael deciding he is the problem with the neighborhood and therefore needs to be retired, Eleanor explores the option to keep him in the neighborhood by killing Janet. Cheaty ends up accidentally resetting Janet. Eleanor realizes the situation is killing Cheaty, so she confesses at the end that she is the problem with the neighborhood. Okay. So succinct. Big twist at the end of this episode. I know. We'll get to that in a minute, but it felt like a cl- cliffhanger to me today the same way that it felt when I first watched oh, it. Oh, really? Yeah, but we'll, we'll get there in a minute. Okay. What's, what is important is basically Michael says... Hey, hi, I'm the problem, it's me. Oh, wow. Um. I know what that's from, (laughs) thanks to TikTok. TikTok has forced me to listen to Taylor Swift in a way that you've never been able to do, even though you blast it constantly. I just tune it out here at home, Mm -hmm. but then TikTok does that. Anywho. Right. Um, So, yeah, basically, Michael's like, I'm going to retire because I'm the problem. And they're like, okay, well, that's great. And Michael's like... Yeah, except retiring means that I'm going to be in eternal conscious torment forever. I mean, he doesn't use those words, but yes, okay. (laughs) It is a description of that. Uh Uh-huh. I mean, if we want to be specific, it's like being a pinata hung up by your genitals (laughs) and beaten with a diamond rod for eternity. Okay. Um, And so, basically, then they're like, okay, well, Eleanor... If Eleanor is not going to confess, then Michael has to take the fall. But then they also figure out that if they kill Janet, then Janet can't take Michael to retirement. So basically, it's this sort of question of, like, who's going to suffer here? Is it Eleanor? Is it Michael? Is it Janet? They decide on Janet because she's a robot. And poor Chidi just has to suffer no matter what. Right. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. At one point, he says, I've never been stressed out, this stressed out in my whole life. And then what does Jason say? <laughs> he says that, that he's going to get him some weed, right? Well, he's going to use Janet to get... I know what you need. Janet, yeah. get some weed. Yeah. And then he's like, oh, yeah, I forgot. You killed Janet. <laughs> it is It is really great. Um, and then... But there's also this flashback through the episode that Michael... That uh, Mark Evan Jackson did not mention that is important, I think. Okay, with Cheedy in the red boots? Right, okay. yeah. So Cheedy has a, a professor friend um, who buys these really gaudy, big uh, red cowboy boots. Yeah. Um, asks Cheedy what he thinks. Cheedy thinks, set lies and says he loves them. And sort of this whole storyline ensues where he then buys Cheedy the boots and then Cheedy you know, is reminded again of how he lied um, and is just eaten up inside because he told this white lie. Yeah. Which really um, is not it's not a surprising story, knowing Cheaty, but yeah. it just il- illuminates how much he, um, how scrupulous he was as a person on earth and continues to be. Yes. And how it really causes a lot of anxiety and suffering for him. So, yeah, thinking about 
the watch rewatch. So watching this first in fall of 2016, um, now it's seven years later. I think for me is like, I remember kind of getting caught up in this conundrum because actually the more that Chidi lied, the worse it got. It wasn't just a white lie in the flashback. Uh-huh. And also here, it's like, the the idea is like, yes, moral philosophers take this too seriously. Chidi takes it too seriously. And also at the same time, the reality is, is that when he does lie, things do get worse. So there's a truth to it. And so, it, it, it anguishes him, you know? Right. Yeah. Like Chidi's brain is the eternal shriek, right? <laughs> yes. Isn't that true? Yes. No matter true. what he does, he is going to wake up in the middle of the night. You know, worried about mm-hmm. something. Um, I think when I first watched this episode, yeah, the twist at the end with Eleanor confessing, I did not see that coming. Like, I saw mm-hmm. that coming down the road, right? But to have her suddenly be like, okay, like, it was me. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really intriguing. I The first watch, you know, I was also just like, Darcy Carden, who plays Janet, I was like, this is just such a good actress so she's like an improv actor and you could mm-hmm. just tell and i she's was gonna so say that good i was gonna say like you can tell that she just must have had so much fun this episode yeah i mean like one of my favorite there's so many great parts but one of my favorites is when she's like i can't cry but uh-huh. here's my impression of, of human, a human crying. crying and it was so <laughs> she goes bah! yeah anyway you try to do the physicality of it, yeah. but people won't hear it. They'll just hear you saying "ba." Right, um, <laughs> and I mean, and then also like she gets killed, she gets reset, um, uh-huh. and just watching her like drop on the beach face first, I know. right? Just stuff like that. Yeah, and you then tell she was having a lot of fun. Rewatch, I noticed how Jason loves um, Janet, who has no, no consciousness. You know right, what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So that was funny. I know. Was this the? This wasn't the spark of first love because I think it was. No, because earlier in the season, oh, it feels he, oh, like it. But I remember, see. he says like, "What's up with Janet? Is she married to Michael?" <laughs> like we. But here's another point of this budding romance. Okay, exactly. I also think on the rewatch, I was noticing, you know, this is the first time Michael is really sort of mean like he's mean to Tani, just straight uh-huh. up mean you know right and i was listening to like the good place podcast and they were talking about like the michael's fear of retirement of the eternal shriek is real like they talk about that in later seasons right that's actually something that happens mm. to the demons if they don't do a good job or uh-huh. something like that and so i was sort of watching it with that in mind but mostly I'm like, oh, he's just enjoying being like petulant and evil. I didn't really sense that he was truly worried about retirement. What do you think? Yeah, no, I agree. Because I my thought was that he was he wasn't going to actually retire. This was all like even though that's what demon retirement is, I got the sense that this is all a ruse to bring pain and suffering onto Eleanor and Chidi. But that eventually becomes a real thing for michael that's true so anyways foreshadowing um but in this episode i was like oh he is just enjoying getting to drop the nice guy facade a little bit Uh and he himself brings up a multiple times that he kicked a dog into the sun you know again i was was like oh they're just putting it out there for us right and at one point uh tahani says like don't blame yourself and he's like i'm not i'm blaming exactly stuff like that so very demony yeah, um, for me, the 
the rewatch, I was like, why did I not ask the question? Why are uh, angel architects punished forever? You well, know? <laughs> like I didn't even. Exactly. Right? I like, mean, you don't even question the system. I mean, you do, but you're like, there's not enough time in the show to question it, you know, which uh-huh. is such an interesting framing of this. It's like, well, that brings up so many questions that nobody in the show brings up. Mm-hmm. Like, who's in charge if it's not Michael? And why is that the punishment? You know, like, it's so true. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It what just... kind of deity would do that? They'd be a monster, right? <laughs> right, Crispin? I feel like you're foreshadowing something that we might I thought talk you were going to say later. forcing the conversation <laughs> in the direction. You just have so much baggage. You're just like bringing it into this. I know. So I'm like not qualified trauma. to talk about the good place because I've had some experiences in like toxic, you know, religion. So therefore, I'm like not qualified to talk about um, the afterlife. Right, Crispin? Exactly. Okay. Right. I don't even know how we got here being <laughs> sarcastic. Okay. Um, I do want to talk about some favorite things about this episode. Okay. Uh, because there's so much ragging on ethics and philosophy professors, yeah. it is just like perfect, uh-huh. right? Like one of them. So he has his friend who's also a professor, and whenever they greet each other, they give each other compliments. Like he says, "Read your paper on ethical positivism. It was so dry." <laughs> and like Chidi takes that as a compliment, and then later Chidi is coming up to his friend after class, and he says, "I loved your lecture today. It was so bleak." <laughs> He was like, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't know if this is a good time to put it in here, but like I paused and tried to read everything on the blackboard Kay. of the bleak class. Okay. What was on there? It was all about eschatology. Literally. Wow. Eschatology, Crispin. Now you know what that word means and I know what that word means. Okay. Eschatology, Crispin, for people who did not go to Bible college, what is is eschatology the study of the end times yes theology of the end times in afterlife mm. i mean we really think of it mostly as end times because we are we're raised evangelical christian but it can just be the afterlife heaven or hell you know what happens really after i mean according to all these other books which there was a lot of books referenced should i get into it right now yeah, uh-huh, on the blackboard yeah. okay uh-huh. so and There's, then we'll come back to ragging on moral philosophy professors. Yeah, okay. So Alan Siegel wrote a book called Life After Death. It, they On the blackboard is Moltman, Jürgen okay. Moltman, uh-huh. uh, The Coming of God on Christian Eschatology, Brian E. Daly, The Hope of the Early Church. He was a, a Catholic priest who writing about the patristic views of eschatology. Jeffrey Burton Russell, Paradise Misled, which he's an American historian who writes about heaven. Um, so all of these are like legit books mm-hmm. Moltman we heard about but we didn't read right and i'm like this is just such an interesting peek into like our education our religious education mm-hmm. because eschatology was huge for mm-hmm. evangelical christians it was mm-hmm. like such a defining and bleak part of my childhood because my mom was obsessed with the end times mm-hmm. um but at bible college like basically we just read the book of revelation Right? And certain other... And lots of Wayne Grudem. And Wayne Grudem's thoughts on... Right. Who wrote a book called Systematic Theology. Just to give you some context, he's a huge Trump supporter. 
So imagine reading theology about the end times by someone who would eventually yeah, I mean, he's a patriarch. He's a patriarchalist, basically, mm-hmm. right? And so all sorts of toxic stuff comes out of that. And yeah, I was just trying to Google like Wayne Grudem, who was like basically the guy we had to read all his books in our Bible college, right? He's from Dallas Theological Seminary and those kinds of books, but still like I'm trying to look up their books on eschatology. I'm like, I haven't heard of any of these. And I think eschatology from our background just comes from pastors, just like rephrasing things they've heard. And I think one of the biggest books on eschatology that nobody ever talks about is the Left Behind series. Yes, basically. Really? (laughs) That and the late great planet Earth by Mm. Hal Lindsey, right? Mm. Which came out in the late 60s and sort of left behind and all that came out of that. So that's rapture theology. And that is also about how the earth, you know, is doomed Uh in very, and it's going to happen soon. Right. And God will only save a select few faithful remnant. Right. Mm -hmm. And everyone else will suffer for all eternity. Whenever I hear that title, the late great planet earth, Uh for some reason in my mind, it is combined with the reasonableists from Parks and Rec, okay. which Mike sure also worked on, right? Who are known as the Zorpies that believe that the, you know, giant lizard is going to come down from the sky mm-hmm. because it's actually not that different. I know. Um, well, also, it's very depressing to look at the late great planet Earth and be like, yeah, it's the world is burning. Like, thank you so much, conservative Christian men who did everything you could to not help climate change and mm-hmm. to just exploit this planet and try and regain power, you know. Yeah, and now a lot of doing. evangelicals that are focused on the end times are using the climate change events as confirmation that the end of the world is coming. Not yes. as confirmation that we misused the earth and exploited it and really messed and it up. And even though we don't want to talk about it, there's like Things in the news happening right now that evangelical Christians are taking as proof, right, that we are in the last days, the end is nigh. And this is like really bleak and devastating and violent theology. And I just think it's fascinating that that's what was on the board, right? Mm -hmm. And hopefully they're just sort of to raise up these questions about like, yeah, what kind of being or deity, right, has eternal conscious torment as a part of the plan or where only a few people get into the good place and nobody else does because that's some genocidal shit you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. like to to only save a few and condemn the rest for eternal suffering for their finite sins of what to save a certain group based on their religion oh anyway and then to destroy everyone else oh uh yeah uh okay can we go back those are not my favorite parts of the episode but it was intriguing to me yeah can you to cheer you up (laughs) i will let you talk about chidi's middle of the night conversation with his girlfriend why Because, because i do this all the time no because there were two lines in there that i thought were perfect no you sam then uh so chidi's talking about uh, Kant and how Kant thinks that like all lies yes. are bad mm-hmm. and his girlfriend responds Kant was a lonely obsessive hermit with no friends I know so I was like very like wow they just said it uh-huh. but then also like she wrote her entire thesis on him why right. would you write your entire thesis on somebody if you were like they were actually a lonely obsessive hermit 
could you write a whole book on someone and then in retrospect look back Uh, on them and be like oh actually i see i love dorothy day don't bring dorothy day into this (laughs) no i thought that i thought that um summary of kant was very interesting to me and it's clear that chidi is even pushing away his girlfriend right with his ethical dilemmas yes and she says this is why everyone hates moral philosophy professors which is interesting because what does eleanor say to chidi right before she actually confesses she says i love you she says i love you man and i think that's a really interesting and beautiful and poignant sort of piece of this it's like yeah Chidi and his ethical dilemmas like push people away Kant pushed people away people who are like obsessed with ethics and morality like are not very pleasant people inside their own heads and to be around and yet like someone like Eleanor was able to be like I love you and you don't deserve to suffer you know in this way and if I can help you be less anguished I will and here's the deal if you know people in your life who are anguished about ethics and morals and how humans treat each other. You know what the best thing you can do to help them feel better? Watch Great British Baking Show with them and rub their back. That's one way. Be a good person. Like, like when you can be good to each other, that helps us sad folks. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That helps us stressy, depressy folks. Is when we see humans surprise us with their capacity to be kind and loving and empathetic, like that's really helpful. So I think that's, you know, on the on the blackboard of the eschatology class, it it says like optimism versus pessimism, right? Mm-hmm. Heaven versus hell, and and I think Mike Schur is ultimately a very optimistic humanist, right? Mm-hmm. Who finds the capacity for humans to change, to be better to be like the thing worth basing a whole show on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry. You're I know getting... you wanted to make fun of me for my great British bake off needs. I wasn't making fun of you. <laughs> I care about you a lot, which I know is why I love watching great British bake off with you. Now that Matt Lucas is gone, I couldn't watch it with him. Really. I mean, it wasn't, it just wasn't the same. Mm-hmm. The him, the energy between him and Noel was not it's horrible. They sort of egged each other on in a not great way. Anyways. Okay. You're getting all serious. I want to talk about some other favorite okay. pieces, which one of them is just Eleanor is, you know, trying to justify the whole time why it's okay to send Michael to retirement or to yeah. kill Janet. One of my favorite parts is uh, when they're trying to decide whether or not to kill Janet uh, she says, I'm dead, you're dead, and now we're killing her. We're just paying it forward. Paying it forward. <laughs> and Chidi's like, that's not what that phrase means. So just that whole... Like, it makes sense to me. Yeah. Also, can I just say, Eleanor is so smart because she's like, this actually is Michael's fault, right? Because he mistakenly let me into the good place, which is so true. Mm. The problem is not Eleanor. The problem is Michael. You know, mm-hmm. and so I'm like, she's right. There's something there about uh, confronting God. Yeah. Right. Of like confronting I, God and being like, this is your issue. Uh-huh. You made all this. You set up the system this way. Right. Like, yes. Why? We talk about this. I'm yeah. like, an, I want to. I'm into my Eleanor face. My Eleanor Moon. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. Chidi is going away now. Eleanor is rising. I'm just like, wait a second. Mm-hmm. It is not my job to fix this entire mess by beating myself up. Like, mm-hmm. the people in charge, this is their shit. Mm-hmm. And they need to fix it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's how I feel. I feel yeah. about God and CEOs and presidents. That's how I feel. One hundred percent. Eat the rich. Eat Michael. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So we've been talking a bit about this. I have my idea of kind of what the ethical dilemma is here. Okay. Uh, which is you know about do the ends justify the means? Um, can you? cause even an innocent person to suffer for the sake of other people's well-being. I know. This is what you always come back to. Mm-hmm. This is the one that always comes to your mind. Yeah, I think that's obviously the big picture one, but I think the small picture one for this is lying, right? Obviously lying to keep people happy, um, telling the truth to help ease suffering, all that stuff, so... Thinking about the flashback, mm-hmm. what did you think about that? Because you've said in past episodes that, you know, it's just better to lay the truth out there. Yeah, yeah I mean, I think the I think the boots are just a metaphor for, like, do you keep silent or do you lie to protect someone else's feelings, right? Mm-hmm. And what ends up happening when you do that? Well, eventually it comes out, right? Mm-hmm. And the thing you were avoiding happens which is you hurt someone so i thought for the purposes of this podcast like let's let's take out the red cowboy boots right Uh and replace it with like a a belief that has toxic ramifications Mm -hmm. right it's not like the red boots are toxic but whatever um they're toxic to the eyes exactly so I just thought there's a lot of people like in our Facebook community, in our Patreon community who have evangelical parents or family members or friends and they just feel like they can't be honest with how like I don't actually believe in hell for the vast majority of people anymore. Like this is one that I mean we just did a whole Patreon only episode about this, right? Uh-huh, yeah. And so I'm just like and they can't, they feel like they cannot say that to their family members, right? I believe this, that's a really harmful ideology. I think your eschatology, right, has actual ramifications on the real world. Mm-hmm. But people don't want to tell their parents or other people that because it anguishes their parents. If you don't believe in hell, then you're definitely not a Christian. So then you are going to hell, right? Mm-hmm. And so we protect people in our life from their own toxic beliefs. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I'm uh-huh. just like, no. <laughs> No. <laughs> the red boots are is hell. That's theology. what I thought. Uh-huh. Well, they're red. Uh-huh. I'm just like, maybe that's about hell. And even like when he's on his supposed deathbed, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, yes, of course you're not going to say it then. Like you just got, and then the second he's not actually dying is when Chidi's like, okay, mm-hmm. I hate them. And then he felt better. Right. So I just thought it would be good to just, you know, put this with a real world example. And there's so many other things, right? Like, mm-hmm. because there's just so many like conservative talking points right now. If somebody says something about kids at public school want to identify as a cat, you know, mm-hmm. are you keeping silent to protect them? Or like, what's going on? Like, I just think it's so much better to be honest. Now, I say this as somebody who has a really fraught relationship with my parents and it is really hard to confront in the moment. And so we, we, I think everybody can find their own ways 
to be authentic and to be honest because keeping that inside to protect other people like it hurts us and it hurts society i think mm-hmm. by I, I don't know so like chidi saying i hate your red boots like yeah his friend's gonna be like oh that sucks but like if you wear weird shit you have to be okay with people not liking that and i feel the same way about people with toxic theology mm-hmm. they're gonna feel so butthurt and so whatever and i'm like yeah yeah, right, you believe huge. stupid shit. Like, <laughs> you're going to get called out. This is how high control religions work, right? First of all, they always use eschatology, like right, mm-hmm. to get people in the fold, to keep them panicked, to keep them striving really hard. Secondly, right, they, they create this situation where people are not honest and cannot confront the people in their lives. Like, that's actually a really troubling belief you have that actually points to a God who's very vengeful and who only wants to privilege a few, like that's actually a genocidal deity, right? Mm -hmm. Oh my God. Evangelical Christians cannot handle this fact because they've created all these ways to say, no, we're the best, we're good, this is good news. And so for us to be like, this isn't actually good news is like an attack on their entire person because they have willingly aligned their entire person with this belief Mm -hmm. does that make sense Mm -hmm. and so us just being like that's not good news like we should just be saying that a million times a day to evangelical christians Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. that's what i've been doing and um it makes people really upset but they deserve to be upset because their beliefs are upsetting and they need to deal with those feelings on their own and i don't need to help them Mm -hmm. through that Mm -hmm. i think that's the other part and i know this is not how everyone is But I just think I'm just so tired of the pressures we have to do the emotional labor for people who have really violent and really toxic beliefs. Yeah, that's what I was going to say is that that was actually one of the main, a big motivator for me to leave Christianity was even, I was noticing even in progressive spaces, there was this element of like, accommodating yes. really toxic theology yes. under this guise of like, well, this person is following the Bible according to their conscience. Yeah. And like, you can do that. But like you said, we also need to name it as toxic or genocidal or, you know, homophobic. Like they want to believe that them quote unquote, not believing in gay marriage is not discriminatory. Right. right. Uh huh. And I think, We've all just gotten past the point of those people can live in their delusions. Mm -hmm. They are discriminatory people with a genocidal religious eschatology, right? right? That has real world impact. So what you're saying is that there's something about polite society where we tell white lies that actually upholds the dominance of power. Uh Yeah, I think that is really important. And I think that like, especially like... I remember being at a more conservative church and that being such a common thing where like if you talk to people one on one, they're like, oh, yeah, here's what I believe or don't believe. But nobody else would know that. Right. It's just this like the overarching dominant theology wins out. Like I remember we were uh, we were in conflict about affirming gay marriage. And I was like, if we just took a vote of all the people volunteering here on a Sunday morning, like setting up church. Yeah. We all want to affirm gay marriage. Right. And yeah. The elders don't. Yeah. The elders don't. Right. And the white male elders. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
And so, yeah, just like the that idea of like you have to keep the peace by not being fully honest, right? It just maintains these systems. Yeah, who does that benefit? The white male who, elders. Who does telling white lies benefit, right? It's like, mm-hmm. I, I, that's where I'm just like, no. No, 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 no. This episode is not actually about... Red boots? <laughs> yeah, but those kind of silly lies. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, it's about the other thing because it is anguishing. Like, it was really hard for me to be, to try and maintain a close relationship with my parents and just thinking about the COVID years in particular, right? They mm. said so much blatantly wrong shit that also revealed they don't really have a capacity to care about the human race, mm-hmm. right? And so trying to argue and trying to like placate them and all, I, I, it's just so much easier to be like, okay, mm-hmm. I know you don't care about other people. Great. You know, just kind of move on because uh-huh. that's not going to change. But I'm also not going to protect them and mm-hmm. make them feel like amazing people, you, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think it is really hard. And like you said, you are autistic and have your approach. I think there are different approaches to this. But recognizing like, yeah, this immense pressure to just pretend like things are fine. And for one, it is marginalized people that suffer. Mm-hmm. For two, it is you that suffers Yeah, in this sense, in the way that Chidi did, right? There's actually, I think, something really true about that, that in this system where we have to pretend things are okay and nice, like when those people in your life, they feel fine, you walk away feeling like I compromised my perspective or personhood by just not sharing what I actually thought. Yeah. And I think Chidi eventually telling his friend, I hate your boots, right? Like, mm-hmm. well, it's interesting because in The Good Place, he's eventually able to tell Eleanor, like, I'm never going to move on from killing Janet. Like, that was really traumatic for me. And like, you can just move on. I get that. But I can't. I will carry this with me forever. He was honest, mm-hmm. right? Like, mm-hmm. and I think being honest in one way helps you be honest in others. And his honesty is what, got through to Eleanor to be like, oh my God, like, you're right. I'm not experiencing this the same level you are, but you sharing that has now made me consider like, huh. So I'm like, Hmm. the telling the truth, I think has such powerful implications, right? And in these, these ways that can allow other people to actually understand like, wow, this is so important to you. This is anguishing to you. Now, now I feel like my skin is in the game, right? Mm -hmm. Because... I care about you. So I think that's, Hmm. I don't know, an important thing to consider. Yeah, that is really insightful. I feel like I did not come into this conversation with any of these thoughts. And just as we're talking, I'm like, yeah, Yeah. makes sense. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Did Chidi do it the right way? I'm not (laughs) sure about the red boot reveal. You know what I mean? I'm saying it it allows him to say that to Eleanor later. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So... (laughs) You might have religious trauma if... Good job. For me, it was... uh, I mean, it was very potent in this episode. Um, I worried that unconfessed lies meant that I would go to hell forever. Because I had this thought of, like, I have to confess to that person because they are the only person that can forgive me. And God can't forgive me unless that person forgives me. Okay. 
So okay, a little look into some like religious scrupulosity in Crispin's brain. Yeah. Okay, I think mine is more like, and this is in part due to some of the voicemails we got and we talked about in our patron-only episode about help, but people basically being like, like Michael's depiction of the eternal shriek is like nothing compared to what we were taught hell is, right? Mm -hmm. And like these hell houses and scare houses and these like plays about what hell is like for a human, right? This is like so funny, right? It's like his molecules are put on different suns and his... Well, if you were raised evangelical, like the depictions of hell were much more concrete to like human suffering, right? Mm -hmm. And were horrible. And as mm-hmm. kids, you just have to think about like, wow, that's horrible. And so I'm like, you might have religious trauma if you're like, oh, the eternal shriek doesn't sound that bad, which is how I felt, uh-huh. you know? Yeah. <laughs> Compared to what we were told hell is like uh-huh. to scare us into signing up to be Christians for life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. If that resonates, definitely head over and check out our Patreon because we talked a lot about hell. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of fun, you know, just lots of fun talking about Hashtag hell. Hashtag occupy hell. I'm trying to, you know, a few Get years it going ago. Again? Yeah. Should we revive it? Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, you start questioning hell and people think you're not a Christian and they don't trust you. Um, it turns so out what, they were right. So, right. So, what's going to be different now? <laughs> um, you got any fun facts? Fun facts? Well, they're not that fun. You know, I just told you about all these people who wrote books on eschatology. <laughs> um, I was going to look up Machiavelli, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I did not do that. Uh, yeah, we've spent a lot enough time researching terrible men lately. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Crispin. The fun facts. Okay, one fun fact is that I'm. We're so bad. We cannot remember the name of the friend with the red boots, but he has an Australian accent. Mm-hmm. But Chidi doesn't have an accent, and so there's this whole thing about like what's going on in the flashbacks, what's going on, what languages Chidi actually speak. Um. I don't really care about any of that. I'm more, I'm more like interested in the entire class on eschatology. And does that make you more a philosopher? Another fun fact is the way people treat Chidi and it's how like, and there's that constant refrain of, you know, people, this is why people hate them. I'm like, am I a moral philosopher? Because people hate me. <laughs> what do you think, Crispin? Uh, am I just like a lay person moral philosopher? I think that there are um I think it's a it's a mixture. So, part of what you do I mean, I'm a lot thing. like Kant except I have a great partner and two great kids. But besides that, I kind of fit the bill, you know what I'm saying? Well, here's the thing. You do poke at things that need to be poked at, right? Whereas Chidi like That sounds sexual, but okay. <laughs> for Chidi, it's so annoying because he's waking his girlfriend up in the middle of the night yeah. to talk about whether or not he should have told his friends he doesn't like his red boots. Right. Which is not the same as like... Me waking you up saying we need to talk to people about hell being genocidal. Right. Exactly. So I'm good and she's bad, right? Yes. And at the same time, <laughs> there is something about being that person that is like thinking really hard about like can i dump this uh cup of water down the drain or do i need to pour it on our lawn yeah in a way that is like you know feels in that vein of like 
you are there's a lot more tension around this decision than there really needs to be. So I think it's just a mixture. Yeah, the eternal shriek is in my heart at all times. That's right. fine. One of my uh, fun facts, and I don't know if it's really a fun fact, but I did look up to see uh, the proverb that Chidi says. He says, okay. lies are like tigers. They are bad. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then he's like, it sounds more poetic in Mandarin. Uh, the internet is unsure if this is an actual <laughs> proverb. Um, some people thought it might be this proverb that says rumors can be as fierce as tigers. Um, but other people are like, no, this is just made up. Okay. So knowing the writers, they wouldn't just make something. Right. Up, so. Yeah. Who knows? I didn't see anything about that. Again, not that fun, but it was a funny part of the episode. Yeah. This was a great episode. The twist at the end, right? You just want to keep going. Right. So Eleanor shocks Michael. And shocks Chidi. And this will be very fun to talk about next week. So this week is kind of a downer. Because I think the Eternal Shriek truly is about what do you believe about heaven and hell and whatever. Mm -hmm. I think the next episode in particular is like people can change. Mm -hmm. A small percentage maybe. Who knows? Some people can change. And what does that mean for, you know, for the better? So I think that's Mm -hmm. something pleasant to think about for once. Yeah. We don't have a listener question today because we used a lot of listener questions um, in our Patreon-only episode talking about hell. So if that is your, uh, if that's your vibe to talk about hell and coming out of evangelicalism, definitely head over there. Um, but also, we have some good voicemails that I just want to save for a little bit later, talking about trauma attachment. Uh-huh. So we really appreciate what y'all are sending in. Um, and just love hearing all the thoughts. Uh, we got a <gasps> voicemail from someone who has watched the show eight times. Yeah. Uh, so we're like, you know, if if y'all have more insight into this, which I'm sure you do, please send us a voicemail. Tell us your thoughts. Okay. Also, this this is my fun fact. This is the episode where Michael finally says it. You know what I'm talking about? I have a aura about this idea but i can't consciously put my thumb on it that's your response to my question <laughs> yes wow no it's take it sleazy yes <laughs> that was it i was like i remember i can picture him sitting in the chair and saying something when yes. i'm like this is important and then uh-huh. it just went out of my head finally 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 we've got to the take it sleazy line mm-hmm. which i love so much i it, it's it's like Imagine Chidi saying, take it, take it sleazy. That's me. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make any sense. And I love it. Mm-hmm. I also thought his, Michael's whole monologue on the things he wanted to, wants to do, you know, in the human world was hilarious because they were all terrible things. Get his hair wet. Eat a saltine. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we got to finish up with uh, this is the good place. Oh, I forgot about this. So what is giving you life right now? You have to go first. Okay. For me, it is listening to the Charlie Brown Christmas soundtrack on vinyl. I know it is the beginning of October, but it just helps me feel better. This is a tiny cry for help, and I love it. <laughs> I'm just, yeah. just being honest. Yeah. It's just sometimes you need a little jazz. Do you? You need a little holiday magic. I wish you guys could see his little jazz hands he's doing. <laughs> Yeah, when you are in the middle of still working on a book about Dr. James Dobson, folks on the family, terrible parenting, 
You need a little Vince Garaldi. Yeah, we are life. not doing well, guys. Um, <laughs> Every weekend, we're like, this is the weekend. If we just put in a few more hours, we will finish it. <laughs> I'm sure all the creatives that are listening know about that idea of like, yeah, this won't take that long. And then you're in the middle of it and you're like, this is taking forever. It is not going the way that I anticipated. Mm-hmm. But I will say uh, we've had a lot of you listening. Um and others that have uh, helped us with this and shared your stories, shared your experiences, that has been so great. We've really appreciated that. Um, and it's been really vital to this project to be centered on uh, this project where we're trying to focus on the stories of people that grew up under Dobson parenting. Or like authoritarian parenting methods that come from a, a religious background. So if you're interested in that, you can follow us on Instagram. I'm on threads now. And um Whatever. DL That's me how Field you got on there. I know. It said Instagram told me DL me Field is now on thread. That's not one of the good things in my <laughs> life right now. So I'm trying to think like, okay, what's good? What's good? I tried to go to an art museum to um, cure my sense that humanity is doomed. And oh, I was like, you successfully went there. I successfully went there. Um, but it didn't successfully. And cure. I listened to Sufjan's new album, and I just basically cried a lot. And then looked at art and then it didn't like cure me. And then um, what I what did help was a breakfast burrito. I had two breakfast burritos yesterday, one for breakfast and one for dinner. <laughs> and that's what's good is breakfast burritos. You know what you need to cure you? What? Some jazz. Jazz? <laughs> Some Christmas jazz. <sighs> I'm just kidding. I think you need the ocean. You made one of those breakfast burritos for me. So mm-hmm. you, in a sense, are what's good. Okay. But mostly you're cooking. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I got today. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Well, we will wrap it up here. Thanks, y'all, for listening along. Go spend some time thinking about heaven and hell and eschatology and the eternal shriek. And if you uh, want to be a kind of person who believes... And genocide for all non-believers. Yeah. Yeah. Go do that and also, eat a breakfast burrito. <laughs> and if you want to send us voicemails, uh, that is in the show notes. We would love to hear your thoughts on any of this uh, about heaven and hell, about white lies, about how you navigate those conversations with family members that have terrible toxic theology. We'd love to hear any and all of it. And about Eleanor changing. Mm-hmm. I just think that's really interesting. So Yeah. Thanks again for listening, and we'll be back soon. Take a sleazy. This has been an episode of This is the Bad Place, a special season of the Prophetic Imagination Station podcast. You can follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram by searching Prophetic Imagination Station podcast. You can find us on the web at propheticimaginationstation.com. You can leave us a voicemail at 503-912-4130 or record a voice memo and send it to propheticimaginationstation at gmail.com. Join our Patreon community to hear two extra episodes a month and join our Facebook group to discuss episodes and more. And we hope you'll join us next time in the bad place. (laughs) 